Hello everyone and welcome back to The Geek Way. This is the low budget show. It's the show so low it has no budget and it's good to be back. The thing of doing these on like a regularly scheduled basis is that the news cycle's kind of weak, you know? I guess I could talk about, you know, delays that are coming out for stuff or like little independent news pieces here. But what's the point, you know? I don't need to do that, but... This week's topic, a big fun one that I'm kind of excited to get into, looking at some of the best martial arts kung fu films ever. It was just like a topic I decided to because I'm like, you know what, I like this genre, but I haven't explored it that much before. So kind of going to talk about the ones that I like and some of the things that I think are very cool in it. Kind of a fun idea. Also, too, and this is something I might start doing going forward with the channel and these videos, especially on the Geek Wave here when applicable, and that is that my review of Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings is going to be attached to this video, so we'll have the news breakdown, we'll have our main topic, and then we will get my review of Shang-Chi for the end of this podcast. So you can hear it there too. If you haven't listened to it before, you haven't seen the video footage I've done for Shang-Chi, you can listen to it here. Of course, the time code will be down below, and this might be a regular thing going forward where applicable for some big movie or some big television show when I'm doing a topic that's kind of adjacent to that it might start to be the theme I do here where I cover that too we'll have to wait and see but like I said at the top of the show we have a couple pieces of news here and there's a lot associated with these news pieces they're just like smaller individual things inside of those I guess first off, we'll start with the stuff that isn't the big pieces inside the pieces. First thing, I guess Christopher Nolan is going to be making another movie set in World War II, focusing on Oppenheimer and the, you know, the atom bomb that he built. I mean, cool. I I, I guess I kind of want that. I, I wasn't a fan of Tenet. I know some people really like Tenet, but I wasn't a fan of that, and I'm not a fan of Interstellar. I think where Nolan really shines is focusing more on, like, the theatrics of a real grounded piece and you can make that look brilliant and i think he just shines better in that aspect so if we're gonna delve into like this psychotic guy well psychotic's the wrong word but this guy in like world war ii who kind of did some dangerous shit and maybe destroyed a lot of people in the process that could be fun right it could be fun it's gonna happen and i guess that's exciting i'd like to see what he does with this genre and i, I mean yeah good for you christopher nolan is it going to be Warner Brothers? Who knows? Because you got mad when Tenet bombed because you demanded they put it in theaters, which I'm. This is going to be something I'm going to talk about when we do the Dune review, and that kind of stuff. But there's nothing I hate more when a director thinks they're above someone or thinks they are better than someone because of their vision or their purpose or they think they understand cinema and this is not a criticism of Christopher Nolan I'm sure he knows cinema better than a lot of people I'm sure he does but the fact that you insist that it's this one thing is very close-minded and very dangerously arrogant and I don't like that he insinuates that this has to be a theater experience so if this Oppenheimer piece doesn't actually come to us from Warner Brothers I'm not going to be surprised I'm sure there'll be another studio who's willing to put down the money for Nolan to make whatever the hell it is he wants to do. So that's the Oppenheimer stuff with Nolan. Next topic here, uh, The Matrix Resurrections got a trailer. And okay, <laughs> okay, I want to say this kind of before I talk about this this movie is The Matrix 
is in the same category for me as stuff like Ghostbusters and, oh, what's another one? I guess Rocky you could put in there too where I respect it. I don't give a shit about the property and I don't think it's interesting. The Matrix was never that property that interests me. I didn't think it was that fun or creative. And honestly, I've said this since they released this trailer. It's not impressive to redo The Matrix because our storytelling and our capabilities within that genre and that concept have caught up to what The Matrix was. Look at things like Black Mirror, like Westworld, to an extent, you know, even some of like the X-Men stuff and just these different things. Even like Legion, I would say, even like Legion has that thing where it's like we've done this before and we've done it better. So coming back to the world of Matrix, I don't think is interesting. I also think... It's in that uh, Neil Blomkamp style of things where you've made your movies that made money. The Wachowskis made The Matrixes. They did great. Neil Blomkamp made District 9. It did great. And then there are other projects, you know, Speed Racer, Jupiter Ascending. And, you know, with Blomkamp, it was like Chappie and Elysium. They didn't do as great as the first thing that did really good. So now they are, like, pushed into this corner where they have to do a sequel to that thing that made them famous made them successful. I don't like that, and I feel super bad for, especially in the case of Neil Blomkamp, that he has to do that. He can't do some of the other stuff he wants to. I guess maybe the Wachowskis, it's only the one Wachowski. It's it's Lana doing this one, and I'm just like, does she want to do this? Is this just like a bad idea? I don't know. I, I just can't get on board for a Matrix thing. So, the trailer. Let's get into the trailer. It is, without a doubt, a bad looking trailer. <laughs> I don't like it. It's too glossy. It's too stylized. And maybe that's the point. I've been reading and looking at theories and stuff. And, you know, is it a prequel? Is it set in an alternate universe? Is it like a reboot of The Matrix? Is it like a play within a play kind of thing, like in Hamlet, where it's like we're watching The Matrix while we're in The Matrix because the idea of making a Matrix makes you look like you're crazy inside of a Matrix? Oh, I just. It's either going to be a super smart story, which I hope it is because I want this to succeed, because regardless of what it does or not, if it's an original creative idea in the world of Matrix, that's cool. But if it's something basic, maybe it's not. I know Yaha Abdul-Mateem II was talking about, like, he's Morpheus, it's not Lawrence Fishburne, so is his Morpheus like a guy who's playing Morpheus, you know? kind of like hey i'm here to play the role of morpheus because the real morpheus is dead so now it looks like the matrix is a thing in the matrix that could be something happening either way i it's not for me and i think what really was telling about this was that it's, it exists solely because keanu reeves is popular again i honestly think that's the reason this exists it's that keanu reeves is back he didn't cut his hair, he didn't shave, he looks like Keanu Reeves. It's not that interesting, and I don't really care about it. So, cool, I guess, for everything involved in that, it's not that original, and it's not that fun. So, Matrix Resurrections, I know we'll be covering the Matrix on this channel closer to December, if not after. Who cares? Good for you for existing. Cool. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I've never been the Matrix guy. Even that first movie, I didn't see it in peak Matrix fever because I was a child. And when I saw it after, I'm like, okay, I get it. This had people up in arms like this is the brilliantest thing ever. It's not. 
it's cool. I, I think it's a fun allegory for looking at the world through the lens of a trans person discovering themselves. That's the only thing I think is cool about The Matrix. Everything else I think has been done better. <laughs> I really do, which sucks. So our last... Wait, no, it's not our last piece of news. There's more. <laughs> okay. Is there more? Yes. Let's get into this. I was like, wait, did I miss a piece? No, I didn't. Okay, so Paramount had their big showcase for Star Trek's 55th anniversary. And this is kind of complicated to talk about because it's on Paramount Plus and they don't release some of their footage or their stuff worldwide. So because Paramount Plus isn't available in Canada, I can't see all the footage. Or maybe it is available in Canada and they just have like it set off in this country and supposed to premiere on something else somewhere in this country. Whatever. But there's a couple revelations I want to talk about. Prodigy's still coming out. Looks really cool. I, I Actually, I think it's going to look cool because I haven't seen any footage for it. So that's fun. Picard trailer. I didn't see... Oh, did I see all the trailer or did I see a snippet? What did they release to Canada? It might have been all the trailer now that I'm thinking about it. I never liked the first season of Picard. I think it was pretty boring, pretty uninteresting. This season doesn't excite me either, just because I don't need to see Picard's story. I think we got it. And I just think, like, let's throw in all these... You, you remember Riker and Data from the first season? Well, here's the other stuff we could play with. Like, Q? Is Q coming back? I'm like, oh, I don't want to see that. I don't. And it's got renewed for another season, which is great. It's it's great that Patrick Stewart is still alive and willing to do this. We should commend him for it. So Picard stuff, that's exciting. I'm loving Lower Decks. I don't know if they showed anything for Lower Decks, but the other kind of big thing I wanted to talk about here, and I apologize because I didn't get the names of everything. I just There's a key moments in this I want to talk about. So Strange New Worlds is something I'm very excited for because I think it could be the closest we get to, you know, episodic Star Trek where it's back and to back week in a different place kind of thing, which is kind of exciting to think about. But they announced a couple of supporting cast members that will be appearing in this latest season. And there's some concerning things. I think the first one that concerned me was the connection of a character related to Khan. It's like a woman and her name has, she has the last name, her character has the last name, Noonien Singh, of the character of Khan, which is just like, that makes no sense in the story. If this is going to be a character interacting with Spock, and it is connected to the original series, that's stupid, because Spock would be like, that's the last name of this girl I met. Weird. It's weird, and I don't like it. It sounds really dumb. It sounds like you're missing the point, unless this is creating its own, which, oh, it freaking might... It, it might, now that I'm saying it, it might just reboot <laughs> the original series because we also got the announcement that Ohora, Naota, Ahura will be appearing in this season too. So, cool. Do you think, and this is a big if, do you think that this show is just slowly going to be introducing the characters of the original series into it and then at the, like, say, season four, of strange new worlds if it goes that far we're just like nope we're doing original star trek again this time in different situations with this new cast i would not be surprised i wouldn't i think that is a huge probability something that i would not be surprised if it happened so strange new worlds i'm excited for that one i will probably cover it on the channel if i can get it here in canada 
But I don't know. Weird. And of course, Discovery going strong. Good for it. Season four, is it on now? That's cool. I like when a Star Trek show succeeds. Even if it's not for me, I'm glad there's an audience for Star Trek. I think that's really fun. But I'm excited to see, I guess, the future of Star Trek. I know there's been speculation about like new shows they could do in Star Trek and stuff, and I still think doing a Starfleet show is a brilliant idea. It is such a smart concept that I think they should do. Just, you know, the, the, you get young people in there because they're at the Academy. It's a brilliant idea. They should do it. And now to our last piece of news. I forgot about this one. PlayStation also had their big expo. I don't cover a lot of video game stuff on here, but there's some things of note to talk about. You know, God of War Ragnarok. We got a big sexy Thor belly boy coming in. That's kind of exciting. That's a fun thing to explore and play with. That's, I mean, yeah, cool. I've never played the God of War games, all of them at least, so that's fun. I think that's kind of cool. The other big announcements were Insomniac, and they were just like, hey, we're making Spider-Man 2. It's going to come out in 2023, and you know, it's Miles and Peter working together. That's very fun. It sounds like it's going to have Kraven potentially, and the big tease of Venom. Venom will be like a main villain in the story. It looks fantastic. That cinematic trailer looked really cool. The concepts were really fun. I really dig what that looked like. But I think the big surprise that came out of nowhere for a lot of people was this look at a Wolverine game, which I like Spider-Man. I think that's fun. But if I'm going to get a PlayStation 5 for anything, it's going to be a Wolverine game because that is such a fun character. Just going around slashing and hacking. That's really cool. That's really cool. I love that concept. I'm very curious to see how that's going to look. But it's fun. So there's other stuff, of course, revealed at the PlayStation thing. But those are like the big ones that this audience is going to be interested in. At some point, I might get a PlayStation 5. And if I do, I might look into streaming and doing that kind of stuff. I've never really thought about it just because it's not the kind of content I want to make. But if we can build ourselves to a bigger brand here at Tsunami Studios, then maybe... I would look into doing that kind of a thing. Hard to say, but it could happen. So maybe in the next few years, maybe next year we would be streaming a couple things. There's nothing I really want to stream, though. That's the thing. I don't play many games. So cool. Fun stuff. And that's all the news pieces we have. And when we come back from this break, let's jump into the world of martial arts and take a look at some of the best films in a really fun genre. So one of the main reasons I wanted to do this topic was obviously because of Shang-Chi, because I think in 2021, there's a really interesting thing we are seeing in terms of the films releasing, and that is like the era of that specialized Kung Fu is kind of coming back in a big way. It started with Mortal Kombat earlier this year. During the summer, we saw it with Snake Eyes, and now Shang-Chi is doing it. That certain Asian aesthetic of martial arts and kung fu is kind of returning to the big screen. And because of that, I thought I would talk about a genre that I don't normally talk about. And I don't know why. I've always liked these films. I really have. There's something so beautiful and powerful about this genre. Sadly, I just haven't got into it as much as I wanted to over the course of my life. There are a few ones I've seen. The ones on this list I have seen, there's some I've seen more recently. There are some that I've seen when I was younger, when I was like, oh, I got to watch this, this, and this. And I just, 
I like these movies, but there's not a genre I've gotten too heavily. So we're going to spend a few minutes. We're going to talk about a couple Kung Fu films, martial arts films, and then I'm going to put my review of Shang-Chi at the end of this. I'm, I said it kind of at the beginning of this video too. I'm recording these at two separate times, so I'll re reiterate it here again. It's something I might start doing where if there is a film applicable to the topic, I'll put the review in there too so people can hear what my thoughts are on that new movie. But before we get into my list, I wanted to talk about a couple of things that are recent that I've seen in the genre just because these are like not my introduction, but the, maybe they are my introduction to the larger world. I don't know if you could classify the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in this category. That's ninjutsu. If that is something you could apply to that, maybe. But I've seen every Ninja Turtle movie. If you want to put that in like the realm of the martial arts film, I don't really think it is. I think those are more comedies than they are like the action piece. So I love those films. I, I, love, I think I like most of the Ninja Turtle movies as opposed to hating them. I think I'm going to say the same about The Raid. I've seen both Raid movies. They are very well done. I, I think the first one is still infinitely times better than the second one, but they're both still really good. And I, I just think that is like John Wick before John Wick got big. You know, it's like that type of movie, but didn't make the mark in a sense, you know, where it's just like the impact was there, but films didn't aspire to be like that after it. Like it, it has its audience. It has its staying factor. But nothing really went for the raid after it came out. And I think that kind of sucks. And I want to put this on the list too. It's not even a film, but it's one I think a lot of people should watch. It's Into the Badlands. It is a series that premiered on AMC. It ran for three seasons. It's just this colorful hybrid of paintings and martial arts just looking like this art form, this beautiful style. It's like a world built without like high concept technologies like guns and firepower. And how fighting is like an art form in it. And it's just beautiful to see the way the characters move and flow. It's vibrant. It's gorgeous. It's a really good show. And I, I always recommend it to people because it's just so different. And I think if it came out now as opposed to, oh, I want to say, five years ago now, it would be one of those talked about shows of our time. It is just gorgeous to look at and absolutely amazing. So watch Into the Badlands if you haven't. Another series I want to put on this list of stuff you could classify as stuff in the genre that I'm familiar with. It feels like I have to say it, but Kung Fu Panda. It, of course, is an homage to all these films. Like, you don't have Kung Fu Panda without the way of the other stuff we're about to talk about. But those are just really good. They're very positive films talking about, like, the reassurance of who you are, where you come from, and how Kung Fu as an art form isn't based on your size it's based on your ability and i think that's a really cool thing to explore great animation great voice cast those films are all so incredible and so fun but they're not the things we are here to talk about today so i kind of broke this down in a few weird categories i got some of the actors involved and i got some of like the directors involved there's no real rhyme or rhythm to it i guess we'll start with the one i most recently watched because i did um a movie tales on it the first film, but there's four films in this series. It's the Ip Man's. I, again, I'm going to say it here. If you haven't seen my movie Tales on, and if you're waiting for the three film feature about it, I was not aware this guy was a real person because I'm an idiot and I don't focus on that kind of stuff. I'm like, this guy was real. He trained Bruce Lee. That's awesome. And then we go to like this war torn China where the Japanese have invaded and this guy's fighting to protect his village pretty much from 
this the imperial forces of the Japanese, and he's just taking them all down in this like the stoic, quiet way. It's a beautiful film. It's shot gorgeous, and I think one of the one of the best parts about it, of course, with all these films, is the kung fu and the martial arts style we are seeing. But what in particular I like about this one is that it looks tough. There's some in here that you you see like the toughness to it, but there's some where it's like the fluidity. But in the Ip Man stuff, it feels like it hurts when you get hit with a punch and your nose breaks and you're bleeding from your mouth and everything about you is breaking and you can get killed by these hits. It looks intense like and like it hurts. And I think that's a really cool thing to see. It's just, I, I I really enjoyed this movie when I watched it again. I had no idea what it was going to be when I went into it, but I'm like, wow, this is just an intense piece with people beating each other up and these fight scenes and this intensity. I really like the Ip Man series. I, Donnie Yen did incredible, and there was four of them at this point. I've only watched the first one, but I think you could see like the progression of a story between all four where it's like he starts off as this man who saved his city, he saved his town. The progression of that becoming the serious, you know, master of his domain and how it gets to the stuff with Bruce Lee, which let's talk about Bruce Lee for a bit. I am the furthest thing from an expert on Bruce Lee, but even a, a pleb, is pleb the right word? Even an idiot like me knows that Bruce Lee is the reason this genre is popular. He is the reason in the same vein of like the black exploitation thing Bruce Lee is the reason Kung Fu worked in America. We saw what he could do. We were like, wow, this is actually really impressive and really cool. And I, it's kind of weird that the genre never really went far without him. I think it could come back now thanks to Shang-Chi. And of course, Shang-Chi only exists because of Bruce Lee, because that character is literally based on Bruce Lee. I think it's cool. And Bruce Lee, again, he's one of those guys who... You either like his style or you don't. And I think that goes for both the films he's in and the man himself. You either think this guy is a respected, he's respected in his field. You can understand who he is and what he does because of that. Or you think he's an arrogant prick who is entitled and just beats up, beats people because he can and not because he should. Which either way is valid, I think. Like, I honestly like Bruce Lee. I don't think he's... I mean, okay, he's probably arrogant. He's probably was this, not maybe not entitled, but like sure of himself guy. Like the confidence was there that he didn't have to exude this factor that he didn't look stupid. He knew he was smart. He showed the world he was smart and we all accepted that. But he's still, you know, an interesting guy <laughs> to say the least. And I have a couple of his films on this list. I like Bruce Lee films. I don't think I like them as much as another guy we're going to talk about, and we'll get to him in a bit here. But the Bruce Lee films I have on my list, of course, Fist of Fury, classic. Like that, I think that's the one that kind of just made people go, yep, I like this guy. Same with Enter the Dragon. Two films that show who he is. They kind of defined his career, defined what he can do. And they're both really good. They all have iconic pieces in them, and they look really powerful and interesting some great concepts some great fighting that stuff is great but I think the one to me that I, I still like the most and it's for a particular reason that of course is way of the dragon and the reason I like way of the dragon is because I mean it's weird to say but I'm I'm a Chuck Norris fan <laughs> I am I've I remember like Chuck Norris jokes being big when I was in middle school and that guy's just always stuck with me because of it and I think one of the only times I've actually taken him seriously 
for some reason is in way of the dragon and his fight scene when it's him and bruce lee fighting it is some of the best stuff out there i think it looks phenomenally cool it's super intense and gritty and you just see it's like the two opposing forces coming together to clash it's like the unstoppable force and the immovable object you believe that this big white guy knows kung fu and i'm just like that's amazing and again bruce lee is great in that film he's kind of playing against type being a little more of like the quiet guy in that film and then you just see like when he comes steps out of the world and how he comes back into his own in it i think that stuff is really cool i like seeing all that and it, it is very enjoyable to see but i will say as much as i like bruce lee and i do i think i'm going to do a bruce lee video at some point or a series of movie tales where we look at some of his films but as much as i like bruce lee and i i do like the guy i admire him i respect him i think he's one of the toughest mother efforts to ever live I am a fan of Jackie Chan more. You know, Jackie Chan, I think, just has a certain charisma about him that's hard to capture elsewhere. And I I won't say he's the funniest guy. I won't say he's the most engaging guy. But I think you can see some of his classics and there's some genuine, interesting stuff he is doing there. Truly, really fun stuff. So... I have a couple Jackie Chan films on my list here. The first one, of course, is Legend of the Drunken Master. That I think that's the one. And I have Police Story. I have Legend of the Drunken Master and Police Story on here. Legend of the Drunken Master is kind of what, you know, became the parody thing. Every kind of like... It's weird. You know, Iron Fist kind of did it where we have like the drunken bar fighter who's coming in to attack Iron Fist. You know, some Mortal Kombat games have that drunk character. I think it created a genre of like caricature inside of a kung fu film the guy who's so skilled he can do it while he's intoxicated and kind of thing i think that stems from the idea of the drunken master where people are like oh this guy can just do whatever he wants because of who he is here and that's fine you know it's not that interesting i i like ledger the drunken master it's still not my favorite one it's the one i haven't seen the longest but police story is quietly a favorite of mine i i think this is peak jackie chan this is when he is doing his best work he is sh presenting his best self he is showing you i can do this i'm an actor i am a choreographer fighter i know what i'm doing in this genre and it doesn't matter what people think about it i'm actually good at what i do here and I don't have to have people tell me otherwise. And I think that's a really cool thing to see. If you haven't seen Police Story, it's going to be one of my recommendations. So we'll get to it in there. But it's, it's a great film. It is just really fun, really engaging, some of his best stuff. And it, it's one of the things where I go, okay, you take Police Story and you take... I, what would you say is the Bruce Lee equivalent? Would you say it's Way of the Dragon? Maybe it's Enter the Dragon... You take one of the dragon films from Bruce Lee and you compare it to Police Story of Jackie Chan. They're both, I'd say, equal in terms of their martial arts style. They're both very gifted in their martial arts. But looking at the movies they've made, I think you got to say Jackie Chan's the better actor. And, I, and maybe if we saw more from Bruce when he sadly passed away and he, maybe we got to see a life outside of that genre for him and we could see a career build around what bruce lee could do maybe then we could see the interesting stuff that bruce lee does and i'm not saying bruce lee's a bad actor at all he's he's phenomenal he's a talented guy in in the genre in the fighting style but jackie chan is just more interesting 
And, you know, I, I was like, what Jet Li film do I put on here? I just got Once Upon a Time in China. It's a good film. It's not one I tend to go back to, but I also want to respect Jet Li for what he does because he he's still a talented guy. And I think sometimes he just gets overshadowed in that genre by the other people that are inside of it, which is weird to say, but it happens. It's something that you see happen all the time. Just like these quiet guys putting in the work, doing the time, but everything else about them just gets overshadowed and thrown away and all that kind of stuff. So kind of all the things I've talked about on my list right now deal with this concept of the brutal martial arts. We're seeing the intensity, the brutality to it, just the way it hurts and it's physically demanding and it breaks you. Let's talk about some of the stuff that's kind of like the sweeping epics. And of course, I have to talk about Ang Lee's Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, because this is maybe in my top 30 films of all time. I haven't seen it for a couple months now, but... Michelle Yeoh, again, one of the most amazing women out there, continuing to stick to this genre and doing amazing stuff in it. Fantastic to see her continuing to play in this realm because she really just knocks it out of the park when she sticks in here. But this is just like the homage where it's like the beautiful giant landscapes, the running on the walls, the flips, the jumping. Every motion, every movement looks so swift and sweeping. It's so cal- it's so calm and beautiful. And you just love everything about it. It's just like this beautiful swan song to a genre that's kind of forgotten in the early 2000s. Or it wasn't forgotten, but just didn't have that beauty to it. And you just see Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Everything's just so pretty and interesting. And the character movements are just so distinctive from everything else we've talked about here. It's, it's more in line with the stuff in Shang-Chi where these characters are just jumping about and moving all over the place in this beautiful epic. And I just think that is a really, really cool thing to see. It's really interesting stuff. And I just adore when that is presented here. And if you haven't seen it, please watch Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. The same in a sense. I think this is more like a filmmaker's choice. And it's a film that I know not a lot of people watched. But The Man of the Iron Fist... It's fine. Uh, It's not one I love, but it looks very distinctive. It's got that certain filter to it that looks interesting and unique. But again, it's just not there all the way. You know, like it's like, oh, it's cool. It's different, but it's not there, which kind of sucks to say, but it happens. And it's an interesting enough story where I, I think it's cool. It's interesting, but just doesn't have that moment to it. Now, like I said, I'm not the biggest, well, not maybe not the biggest fan is the right word. I don't know enough about this genre to go in depth on it, but I just wanted to kind of like bring these things back into the popular zeitgeist for that reason. The same goes with the director of Shang-Chi. I think that's how you pronounce his name. I don't know a lot of his work. Sadly, I, I just don't, but one of the things I do know from him is the five deadly venoms. Now, there are a lot of Shang there are a lot of Shang films. There are some just incredible ones, but I just think the one that people remember the most from him is Five Deadly Venoms. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there are some other things that people remember in that genre. But I, it just looks cool. It's just fun. It's kind of campy and schlucky. It's intense. But you just feel the weight of what the characters are doing in there. And it's just a really cool thing to see. And I don't know. Maybe this genre hasn't affected me the way I want it to. 
because I love all these films, but I don't think any of them like have that stank factor with me like Crouching Tiger and Hidden Dragon does. But maybe they will if I think about it in a new light. And this is giving me a new appreciation for kind of going back and watching this kind of stuff. But these are all good films, and I recommend checking them all out. I, I'm going to do my hardcore recommendations here, but it's interesting that these things aren't as big as they are because we are inherently as a society we we love action films but why don't we like the hardcore you know kung fu films where it's like these guys just hitting each other with these soft punches and doing damage and stuff and we're seeing like the intensity of that or just like running on the walls and sweeping and attacking people and like big flips and the screams and the shouts and everything we should like that more because that's what we like in our other films it's because there's no guns that we don't like it I don't know, but I just, I like all these films and they're really interesting stuff. And again, if you haven't really like experienced a Bruce Lee film, I think you should. So as always, I like to end things here with a couple recommendations. Now the recommendations usually go at the end of the video, but because we have the Shang-Chi review coming up, you will hear that too. So this is going to be a shorter actual topic today because we have Shang-Chi coming up, but let's get into some of my higher recommendations for stuff to watch from this list of course my first one to you is going to be way of the dragon it's my favorite bruce lee film same with police story from jackie chan i recommend checking that one out the five deadly venoms is a really fun film and of course i'm gonna say i'm gonna say you should watch into the badlands because it's a really underrated show and it's a really fun one to see so we are going to take a break and when we come back you are going to hear my review of Shang-Chi. Thank you guys for tuning in to this video and I'll be back next week with more Geek Wave goodness. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. So this film was supposed to come out last year, the world fell apart. Finally it finds its home in 2021 with Labor Day weekend, which I think really helped this hit that next stretch mark where it's able to like actually get a lot of money now because it's the perfect weekend to launch a big thing like this. And you know, I was super excited for Shang-Chi when it was announced just because I always liked the idea of this character being established as his own thing he could easily become like you know the sideline thing where he's like the guy that jumps from franchise to franchise but Shang-Chi has the potential to lead his own stuff and I think this movie more than any other one in the MCU kind of proves that stylized fiction really works for genre fiction and by that I mean like superhero is a genre like that it's become a genre on itself it's become like a western it's become like a science fiction thing and within that genre, you can find the subgenre of all this other stuff, like the heist movie, like the fantasy movie. This, to me, is the martial arts movie, and it looks spectacular. I've been somebody who's kind of been down on a lot of, like, the CG and a lot of, like, these more updated Marvel stuff because it's it feels rushed, it feels lazy, it feels like we are using the same studio house to tell these stories so nothing looks distinctive or original. But Shang-Chi manages to capture its own originality, and I think a lot of that has to do with the camera work. You know, I'm not going to say the CG looks better than anything else. I think it looks on par of some of the best and some of the worst of the Marvel stuff. But the camera work itself, I think, is what elevates this to something above a lot of other movies. Like, it is so classical. It is so sweeping. It just looks like 
and I, I this has to be an inspiration. It just feels and looks a lot like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, where it's just these long epic shots, the sweeping back and forth, just these stoic movements and these beautiful frames. It has like the elegance of a classic kung fu movie while still maintaining what makes it a Marvel property, which is a really cool balance of the two worlds. It's rare to see that you can capture both aesthetics perfectly because, look, I, I think if it leaned more into like the kung fu martial arts, you know, like that genre, the Chinese, Japanese, you know, th that style of filmmaking, you could get something a little more unique from it. But using those two tones of like the Marvel and the kung fu, it made something completely cool. So the action, some of the best looking stuff in any of these movies, it's all in frame, it's all in focus, it's, it's long continuous takes, and it is just so like unique in how it presents itself, because it's just using the surrounding areas to your advantage, it's not like a bunch of people punching or doing flips or anything, it's using your jacket, using these planks on the side of these buildings, doing all this stuff with like the urban jungle around you to make it this unique experience, and it just adds so much to that, it just, the fighting was so good. It looks clean, it looks amazing, and I think just like, it shows you the distinctness that we can see between these franchises, because you compare this action to that of Black Widow, and Black Widow is like the slow espionage overhead shot where everything's kind of like drawn out and intense close cores, and this is just like, we're running on the side of buildings, sweeping at you, throwing these wind powers and these big rings and everything, and it looks really good, and it feels really good, and it, it's just super impressive. So let's talk about Simu Liu because he has been, I think, one of the biggest champions of this property since before it was even announced. You know, he that the famous tweet of him asking to do it, it's come out and he's a great guy and I think he crushed it. He really just found the right tone for Shang-Chi. Now, I think there are moments where you see like, okay, this is pretty easy. You're doing like the sarcastic comment. You're doing like the calm stuff. And at moments I was like, oh, is he going to completely fall into this role and understand it right away? It takes him a minute, but eventually, and especially in the later half of the movie, he falls into line. Like some of those intense moments where he's yelling at his father, it's great. He does a really good job of portraying that emotion and that feeling. And he he's going to be the next big thing. Like this guy, I mean, he's probably going to do a bunch more stuff with Marvel, but I imagine... Simu is going to get a lot more offers for some really cool stuff right now, like bigger action franchises, like the side character and other pieces. I, and I've said it before, put him a short round and make a new Indiana Jones thing because he, that's what he should do. He, he's one of those guys that just understands like the action hero trope, but is able to do different stuff with it that makes it work. And just the fact that he plays in both genre of superhero and Kung Fu, it makes it better. Like the stunts in here are great. Again, it goes back to like he's doing a lot of his own stunts in here and you can tell because it looks really good. And another thing. I really liked about this film was it didn't try to like, you know, sugarcoat the fact that it is steeped in Asian mythology or Chinese mythology. They speak English scarcely throughout the film. It's not always, you know, in like dubbed, but they use it the right amount where I'm like, okay, the opening sequence, these sequences here, you don't have to have it in English. We get more impact if it's in the native language that's trying to represent. It adds a lot more to that style because of it. I think it, it balances out really good. Now, some people who might not be, you know, big into the subtitled stuff, could take offense to it as be like, really? Why didn't they just speak English in these scenes? But you just have to see, like, the context of the story. That's where the emotion comes in, having it in this language, having it in this style. It looks and feels really cool. It adds something else to that. I know some people aren't big big on Aquafina. 
I've been a champion of her work for a long time. I think she is funny. I think she is a very talented actress. And she does a lot in this I wasn't expecting. Like, she honestly played it straight more often than I thought. Of course, she did her classic Aquafina tropes, but she played it straight. Like, she actually just did some dramatic acting that I wasn't expecting. But, of course, you should expect it if you've seen The Farewell. Like, this woman knows how to tell story and, like, act. She's actually an actress, and that's very impressive to see from her i loved her a lot the actress that played Ling, i can't remember her name but she was great you know she just understood what she was doing in that world and that trope and it looked really good i loved her fight scenes she was probably one of the best fighters of the bunch including simu so that was really cool but tony leung i mean <laughs> marvel has a history of some interesting bad guys there's some that are you know boring there's some that are great I think this is one of their most complex ones ever because with Wen Wu, you get something that's not true evil. It's just more like building up a reputation in a sense. We don't actively see him doing these bad things. We know that the world he's part of is bad, but he's complex in the way he's going about his world. And it makes for a fantastic character study and somebody that is, at, I think he's as equal a character in this to that of Shang-Chi. You know, like that father and son dynamic is one of the cornerstones of this entire operation of this film. It's just like having those two compete against each other and play off each other. You get a really cool dynamic that's almost rare to see in this genre where you're getting... I know some people compared it to like a Shakespearean tragedy or like a Shakespearean drama. I wouldn't go that far just because I think it's more or less... And this might be a weird analogy it kind of reminds me of a Kurosawa film in that way, where it's just like, we have these beautiful shots, this gorgeous world, but the interplay between our main family dynamic is what we're here to see. We're seeing the way Simu and Tony play off each other, the way Wenwu and Shang-Chi act towards each other, and you have Ling in here doing her stuff. Like, that is what makes this film and makes it feel really cool. I really like his villain, like the, the the way the Ten Rings are used, and I know there's some controversy that they're not accurate to what we've seen, you know, in the comics. It's It looks better for like, you know, a cinematic feel than having it be like these little dainty things on his fingers that turn him invisible and teleport him, but there's like these weird powerful rings that are just on his wrists. And this is a really small detail, but something that really stuck with me in this film is the way that when he's just sitting casually and he has the rings on, the way that the rings just like clatter and click against each other, that was probably one of my favorite things. I don't know why I like that so much, but it just felt like these are real things that are on his wrist. They're clicking and clapping against each other and it sounds authentic. And then when they just get them like blasting off his wrist and doing these weird power-ups and having him do all this stuff, it looks really cool. It The, the CG for that looks really cool. I was very impressed with that. And I think just seeing like him in like the opening montage, and I'm not going to spoil anything, but like the opening, I'd say 15 minutes of this movie are really good. Just him in that fight scene at the beginning with Fala Chen, it is amazing. Like that was just beautiful. And that is where I'm like, this is Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. This sweeping shots, these beautiful landscapes. The score is phenomenal. It just sounds incredibly well done. It's very like Black Panther and it's representing a certain style of culture. And that's what we're hearing presented in the music. And of course, there is some beautiful stuff like actual songs in here too. Hotel California. And I believe on the soundtrack for this film too, Simu released a song didn't he? I know he's kind of a singer. I think he released a song. I don't remember if it was in the movie or not, but he did release a song, which was pretty cool to hear. I mean, like, that's awesome. That's why I'm like, Simu's gonna 
be built up to be a big star after this because he's doing it all. He's committed to the project. He's committed to the role and he's willing to have fun with it. That's everything you need for this stuff. So the acting was great. The cinematography was great. The score was great. The costumes are phenomenal. The design pieces are phenomenal. And when it comes to like the third act, because all of these movies kind of have like this third act structure, I think it's some of the best we've seen because it stays in like that familiar genre that we've seen before from all these films, the good and the bad fighting, but it just takes it up a notch in a different direction where it's like, it's mystical, it's magical, it's intense and this just beautiful shots with these interesting creatures and designs and concepts and just the way everything comes together in the end is just like this beautiful piece that I wasn't expecting to look as good as it did. And this is where I'm like, the CG could easily fall apart in these moments but they made it work, and I think that's one of the most impressive things that this film did, was it took some basic CGI, mixed it in with these great colors and effects and lighting, and turned it into something that looks like a pastel painting. It's gorgeous to look at. And that's something that I think also strips it apart from other stuff in the genre, and that's just, this looks like a painting. It's like watching like classic artwork come to life in front of you, as compared to just, you know, like standard punchy punchy. It's really cool. And it looks gorgeous and everything about this worked in a way I wasn't expecting because it stands on its own. It's a really intense family dynamic. You see like the drama and the tragedy that comes from all these figures, a really interesting villain that takes interesting chances and does some weird stuff with his powers and his world, a very charismatic lead in Simu Liu. And he's doing some great stuff there. Aquafina is doing some great stuff there. There's a really cool storyline of their friendship that I enjoy seeing. Everything about this works, and it does connect to the larger Marvel universe, which is going to make some people happy. The post-credit scenes are great. They work really well for establishing the larger world. I think this film works on a bunch of levels and is very impressive to see what it did. Is it perfect? No, but it's one of the closest Marvel has gotten to capturing that perfect masterpiece image that bends the genre in a different way and does some unique stuff in it. It's very beautiful, it's very gorgeous, and some of the coolest action Marvel has ever put on screen. It is just amazing the way that it worked together, and just having it be a really large opening weekend box office just shows that stylized storytelling in the comic book genre can succeed and will succeed if you let it grow in the right way. I'm very impressed with Shang-Chi, it's one of the best stuff Marvel's made in a long time and definitely one a lot of people should check out because whatever you're expecting from this, if you're expecting, oh, it's going to be Bruce Lee, it's got Bruce Lee in there, but it's also got, you know, some Ang Lee stuff, it's got some larger stuff, some Shaolin Prince stuff, there's so much going on in here you're not expecting and it's in the world of the Marvel Universe. So this film is really good, check it out. So Shang-Chi in The Legend of the Ten Rings, I am going to give an 8 out of 10. Now, thank you guys for watching this review. Be sure to like and subscribe to the channel. As always, you can check me out on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter, and I will catch you in the next one. Have fun, stay safe, good luck.